The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What are the most successful change leaders of today doing to deliver great results? Welcome to Inside Transformational Leadership with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program is produced by the Institute for Transformational Leadership at Georgetown University. We'll explore the inner game of transformational leadership, sharing insights from renowned leaders and faculty from our world-class leadership and coaching programs. Now, from Georgetown University, here is Kate Ebner. Good morning, and welcome to our first show in the Inside Transformational Leadership series. I'm delighted that you're joining us today. We are going to be bringing you over the next several months conversations with people who can really help us think about what does it mean to lead in the 21st century, and more specifically, what about transformational leadership? What does it take to undertake transformation in your organization? What might happen to you as a leader as you do the work of transformation? These are topics we'll be exploring each week as we bring our guests onto the show, and we're hoping that you'll follow along and gain a great deal of perspective, as I know I will, from the conversations we'll be having. I'm delighted to introduce my first guest on the show. Um, Dr. Neil Struhl is a faculty member at the Institute for Transformational Leadership, where he has been one of the founding faculty in the leadership coaching program and also is a founding faculty member as part of our new Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership, which was uh, launched in the fall of 2014. Um, we like to have Neil go first in our lineup of faculty because uh, the perspective that he brings is very much uh, eye-opening for our students, and I'm hoping that today um, Neil will help us explore the topic of story in a way that may give you some new distinctions to take with you. So good morning and welcome to the show, Neil. Well, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to it. I am as well, and you know, you have been my guest previously on the Visionary Leader radio show and uh, was one of our most popular and most listened to shows, Neil. So I was delighted that you were willing to come back and um, give people access to the topic that we think is the first step in undertaking uh, the topic of transformation. So I want to start off by, um, by, by simply saying that in the years that I have known and worked with you, you know, one of the things that... Uh, I appreciate, and always I'm learning from you, is the theme of story, sort of helping people to see, as you would put it, maybe the story that they're in. And today we're going to be really looking at how leadership actually can be seen as a part of one's story and a part of a quest for self-development. So if, if we're... Um, Using some of the themes that we like to use at Georgetown, we might think of the work that we do as, as a place where we're becoming who we are. I want to just um, start off, Neil, by asking you to just say a little bit, if you would, about uh, why it is that you told me just last week that uh, to you, understanding story is like the psychological equivalent of the theory of everything. Right. Thank you. I, I, and, and that actually is uh, how I regard the whole 
idea of story. You know, for me, um, I'm originally a psychologist, and I think myself, like a lot of other people who studied psychology, part of it is because we truly do want to understand how things work, particularly right around um, how people make decisions, why they do what they do. And for me, um, the best answer I've come up with uh, in that regard is the idea of a story. Uh, at, at its simplest level, a story uh, is an account. Uh, it's an explanation. Um, what happens is people notice things, and then there's a, a need that we all have, not to just notice, but to explain and understand what we notice. Uh, and that is, is what a story is. I notice the effects, and now I have to identify a cause to attribute that effect to. And once you understand that that is the, the essential mechanics of everyday consciousness, it allows you a huge window into understanding how people think and how they make meaning from their experience. So it sounds like what you're saying is that all day long things are happening to us, and we're trying to make sense of that. And so, so when we understand um, consciousness, we really need to understand that we're continually, um, we're t- continually processing what's happening to us, making meaning of it, and I- including it in some way in our story. Is that right? Uh, that's fair. And, and what I would say is a real nature of self-awareness is that you're able to recognize and, in fact, make explicit that that is what's going on. Uh, I would say that when people aren't being as, let's say, awake or as self-aware as could be, they are making meaning and they are explaining things to themselves, but they don't necessarily realize that, in fact, that's what's going on. Ah. So, in a way, what you're referring to is, um, is the subjective nature of reality, I suppose. Is that a fair phrase? It is. I mean, this, you know, psychology has its origins. You know, if you go back to, like, the ancient world, um, in philosophy, right? Uh, and then, you know, as, as societies have evolved, we've tried to make it more empirical and, and more quantifiable, and that's what we've done. Um, but in the end, really what we're doing is trying to get a handle on, uh, on human nature. What, what does it mean to be human? And, and I would just add to that, you know, my perspective on it is that the nature of everyday consciousness is that we're continually making meaning from our experience and how that occurs and how we are consciously experiencing is in the idea that it's a story. We're continually making meaning and explaining things to ourselves, but not everybody recognizes or appreciates that that's what's going on. You know, just to draw a link to this idea, um, you know, between this idea and, and the topic of leadership, you know, one of the things that we teach both in the coaching program and now also in our transformational leadership course is uh, we, we begin with, with helping people understand this concept of story so that they can begin to become aware of and see the story that they're living in or the way that they're telling the story about, about themselves and, and the world around them. And um, what does it, can you say more, Neil, about the connection between um, consciously understanding story and leadership? In the idea of story, as I said, um, it's, it, it's about making meaning, explanations of your experience, what it is that you're able to notice. And in that story, what's continually happening is that at the same time, you are both the author and the narrator. All your stories that you use to explain your story 
are by definition about you. Now, for those of us who might want to lead, we have to be very careful and conscientious about what kind of story we're in. To my way of thinking, the very essence of leadership is the idea of accountability, um, that you are, in fact, the author and responsible for everything that happens around you. And yet, when you're a leader, um, there are stories that you just really cannot afford to be in. And those are stories in which the way you explain things to yourself is that in some way you are trapped, that there are circumstances beyond your control and there's nothing that you can do about it, similarly to hostage, that you're, you're held hostage by circumstance, or in that some way you're a victim. Once that's your story, um, you've basically uh, neutralized your ability to lead. So part of the challenge for anyone who aspires to lead is are you able in the moment to recognize what story you're in and if you're at risk of being in a story in which you're trapped, hostage, or a victim, find a different story that allows you to reclaim your personal power. Thank you for that answer. That's very, very clear and interesting. And I think for people listening, you know, I just want to, I want to um, underscore what you've just said, you know, that um, one of the things that you listen for as a leadership coach and as someone who really um, studies leadership is, as you're listening to people, is the story that they're in and that if somebody is telling the story in such a way that they really are, are seeing themselves as, um, what did you say, as a victim? Victim, trapped, or hostage. Victim, trapped, or hostage. And, of course, um, for many of us, we do feel... Um, a victim of circumstance or trapped in our job or in our position or misunderstood or, um, you know, held hostage by anything from um, the culture or to, to the need to keep our jobs because of financial reasons, you know. So, so, there, so these words, um, victim, trapped, and hostage, uh, while they sound kind of dramatic on the one hand, they also seem to describe the way a lot of people really do feel about work and their leadership role. So you were saying that if somebody's um, seeing the world from that lens, um, they're not in a position to lead. Um, yes. and, and why not? What would happen? Because they're saying, in essence, is that I have no choices, right? I am the victim. I am trapped uh, by a set of circumstances beyond my control. If I could digress for a moment, in, in social psychology, there's a notion called locus of control. Um, when the internal, when you're operating from an internal locus of control, uh, how you explain things to yourself is that you are the source or author uh, of all the circumstances in which you find yourself. You, you attribute that you are the cause to whatever the effect is. When you attribute cause and effect to an external locus of control, you're saying that whatever is happening, whatever that result is, it happened by some other agent, but not necessarily by me. And what I'm encouraging clients to do, uh, leaders to do, is whenever they're in a story, to take a look at where they believe cause and effect exists. And if they do discover that in their thinking, they externalize it to an external agent, my question to them is, how can you find a new story which returns that power to you? And the key word in all that would be choice. What is it that you would choose to do, given that these are the circumstances in which you find yourself? To, to just to say it another way, we don't get to choose the circumstances of our life. 
we do get to choose the story we make up about those circumstances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's really very helpful. And, um, and I like your emphasis on, uh, you know, that, that you're really drawing attention to the fact that when someone is feeling a victim trapped or um, held hostage, that they are not feeling they, like they have a choice and therefore right. cannot, take, cannot choose action. And uh, right. you know, from a from a powerful uh, sense, and the language you use, locus of control, um, you know, is, is interesting language. To, you know, to me, it's sort of like, do I see myself as as able to make decisions and choices, or do I see myself as powerless in the situation? Exactly, and I'm saying that that's very dangerous kind of thinking to be in if you aspire to lead. If, if, if you give me permission, here's my all time favorite story about the relationship between choice uh, and leadership. Uh, In the Vietnam conflict, um, Admiral James Stockdale was the highest ranking officer in captivity. Um, And he had lots of choices. The the Vietnamese would have freed him, for example, but he chose to stay uh, with the, the, the soldiers and other prisoners who were counting on him. And his attitude was that you know that every day, um, that the next day is going to be worse than, to, than the day you're in. And you have to choose it anyway, because that's what accountability and leadership is about. And I recognize that that's a very extreme example, being a prisoner of war. But that's my point. Here are the most extreme circumstances that anybody could ever think of, and yet somehow, in some way, you find a way to embrace your personal power and choice despite the circumstances in which you find yourself. Yes, that's a very good story in terms of illustrating, illustrating this idea, and, and um, thank you for it. I, I, I think from a coach's perspective, and I speak as a leadership coach um, it, like you, um, I know that when I hear one of my clients, one of, my, one of the leaders I work with, um, describing a situation in which they feel powerless, that my, my immediate um, realization is that we need to find the place of power, that we need to reconnect with the available choices, um, including the choice to, um, you know, the choice to, to depart, the choice to be an observer, the choice to say something, the choice to say nothing, you know, but to yep. begin to, to reconnect with, um, with self as a locus of, of control. Yes, and, right. And that seems to make a big difference in terms of um, making a shift, really, from capable of leading to stuck. Right. One of the ways um, that I... Um, you know, understand leadership development, right? I mean, uh, that's really what this is all about for those of us involved in the Institute for Transformational Leadership, is how how does one develop his or her capabilities to become a leader? And so what I believe is that from a developmental perspective, what you're continually trying to solve for, and these are my three magic words, authorship, power, and choice. Say more about why those are your magic words. Well, when you learn to listen to the stories that people are in, the stories they rely on to explain their experience to other people. Um, If you calibrate your listening, you will be able to learn how to detect what degree of authorship is present or not, what uh, degree of power is available or not. Um, And then you can help your clients learn how to calibrate 
their understanding to realize, uh-oh, I've slipped. I'm now in a story where I've relied all the choice and power to be external to me. Um, it's not that, I mean, control and power to some degree is an illusion, right? But as a leader, what you have to do is continually find the choice that's available to you to lead people to whatever future it is that you aspire as a leader to create. Um, but once you start thinking that you're um, victimized by circumstances beyond your control, um, it's going to be that much more hard for you to lead. Even if in that moment the immediate choice is small and incremental, um, I would still say that from a leadership point of view, it's far better than to take the choice and do something than to go passive and let something happen to you. You know, Neil, just last week you and I were working on a project together. We had a chance to hear um, the former president of Tulane University, Scott Cohen, speak about how he led through Hurricane Katrina. And he spoke to us about a moment of breakdown where he suddenly realized the enormity of the challenge and became paralyzed in that moment um, for the first time, you know, since the crisis had happened. This was a few days into it. And he told us that he went back and called his wife and said, this is too much, I can't do it. And she said, well, what do you usually do when you are um, needing to create action? And he said, make lists. And she said, well, you better start making a list. And so that was his strategy, actually, leading through the period um, during and after Hurricane Katrina was actually to create a list every single day and review it with his team and make progress on it and then start again. So I, I offer that as an example, that a very current to our uh, work example of um, how leaders, even in the most overwhelming of situations, can reconnect with choice. Um, I know we're due for a break right now. My guest today is Dr. Neil Struhl from the Institute for Transformational Leadership, and this is Kate Ebner. We will be right back. You're listening to Inside Transformational Leadership. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. 
up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. Welcome back. This is Kate, and as you know, today I'm speaking with Dr. Neil Struhl of the Institute for Transformational Leadership. Um, Neil has been thinking about working on and working with leaders for decades, and I love to have him as our guest because just as he kicks off um, many of our, our core programs at the Institute, he is also kicking off our radio show series today. Um, we're talking about the theme that is um, Neil's personal theory of everything, and it's really understanding story and how story works in our lives and in our leadership. Um, Neil, you said to me recently that one of the big stories most of us are going to have to confront at some point is what we are afraid of and that there's an element of hero to the way story unfolds. Could you say more about um, what you mean by that? So just to return to an earlier theme, a story is an account. It's an explanation of how we understand our own experience. And by definition, in every story that we make up and every story we tell, we are the central figure or the protagonist. So the more common, no, most people don't talk in the, in the word protagonist. Uh, a more familiar phrase, which I think most people feel comfortable, is with the idea of heroism. Um, and if you would like my working definition of heroism, heroism is the response of spirit the circumstance, right? And again, story is how we um, interpret or explain circumstance to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, to my, so to my way of thinking, at the very least, in all the stories that we might ever make up, there are at least two versions of heroism that are available to us at any one point. One of them I call the hero in retreat. And what that means to me is that there are these circumstances that we will encounter, which, which in the moment we will feel that our goals are not really attainable. Either there's a, an, an obstacle that's too hard to overcome, there's something too threatening or dangerous in the way, and what most of us then need to do is retreat, right? And, th- that, and retreat to me means, means back up. I'm not going forward now because there's something there that I don't believe I can rise to the challenge in the moment. So I'll retreat and I will figure out what I'm going to do in response to this challenge I can overcome. So that's what we're going to call hero in retreat. Unfortunately, some of us, when we retreat, we don't actually stop moving forward again. We let that moving backwards, the momentum of moving backwards, um, That momentum uh, determines our direction, and so then we end up not able to attain our goals. Um, The contrast to that is what I like to call hero in victory. Now, um, I don't mean it in a a warlike way. Victory or triumph is the idea that I have a goal and I'm able to achieve my goal. 
Um, the, the decisions I make, the actions I undertake, all of them are in service uh, to achieving a goal. So one of the great dilemmas that we face from a developmental perspective is to ask ourselves, at any one point in this particular sub-story, which hero am I in the moment? And the challenge is, if I find, by my own analysis, let us say, my own thoughtfulness, that I'm actually in retreat, then what do I need to do to shift from the retreat mode to the victory mode where I'm moving forward and moving towards my goal. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like each one of us is at least both of these kinds of heroes, and we can be a hero in vic- you know, our hero in victory can be present um, when we are in a mindset and in a, in a mode um, where we're feeling creative and, and forward-looking and we're making things happen and we're sort of if not at our best, which we might be, we're, we're coming from our strengths. We have to have a sense of confidence. Whereas our, when we are in the hero in retreat mode, um, we're feeling overwhelmed or, or discouraged. Maybe we're backing away and even really retreating from um, the kinds of um, the, the kinds of actions that would advance our cause. Um, yes. So I remember when I first heard this concept, Neil, I, I, I thought for a long time that hero in retreat was really called hero in defeat. And exactly. I, I know that it isn't actually, and that that, that it was, it's actually very important to realize that it's not hero in defeat because I think when you say retreat, you always have the option to return versus defeat, in which case perhaps it's more it's more um, conclusively finished. Um, so I I want to ask you about these these hero you know these heroic versions of ourselves. Um, you use the word shift. You know, when you recognize that you're a hero in retreat, you can begin to identify what it would take to shift your mode from retreat toward victory. And um, that, to me, the word shift is a signal word for transformation, right? Yes. We, can, we can begin to change when we can create a shift. Um, what does it look like when somebody um, it begins to recognize um, that they're in a retreat mode and wants to make this shift? Well, I would add to what you just said is the idea is that you might not be able to intentionally do it if you're not able to see that that's what's going Uh on. That in this particular set of circumstance, I am feeling either threatened or overwhelmed. You have to be able to, uh, willing to consider the possibility that that's what's going on. So the phrase I'd like to get, which I borrowed from a colleague of mine, you need to name it, you need to claim it, and then you need to reframe it, right? So (laughs) name, claim, reframe. Um, So as you just mentioned, defeat is actually a state of mind, right? Even when nations are defeated in wars. um, Psychologically, what a a treaty is, it's it's just an agreement. It's a piece of paper. Defeat, I would say, is a state of mind. Um, You know, I didn't do well in this iteration, but I'm going to come back again and I'm going to get into action in the next chapter. So, so the ability of making a comeback, of, of moving from retreat into victory, uh, is, is continually an option that's available to all of us. For most people, or for many situations, transformation is not something they intended or chose. It happened because of something um, that was external to them. But in the development business, what I would say is that we are intentionally realizing that we have to bookmark this chapter in our life. And that's my 
uh, there's a phrase I like to use called up until now. So up until now, this is the way it's been. But now I am choosing a future which is going to move me in a different direction. So if up until now I've been operating as if I were my own hero in retreat, now that I realize, in fact, I do have a choice, I can do something differently, then what development becomes in that moment is kind of working out the specifics of how I create, created the future that I chose. Now, as a general rule, while you're actually doing that work, you won't necessarily feel subjectively as if you're transforming. But when you move into that future that you chose later, and then you look back, you'll realize that the version of you that's looking at who you were from that present moment is you're a different human being. Hmm. You're a different hmm. person. You're looking at the world with new eyes. And that's, to me, what transformation is really all about. Well, thank you. That's a great, um, very clear way of, of describing that process. And, um, and I like your point that transformation often isn't a choice. Sometimes it's a, a, a necessity, actually. Um, you know, one of the things that I started to ask you about when we were kicking off this segment was um, that at some point we have to confront what we're afraid of. And it seems to me as we were in this discussion about hero in victory and retreat that um, the hero who is me comes face to face with something that is daunting or perhaps is frightening. Um, What I do next um, depends a great deal on on my mindset or my stance. I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about um, about how how fear um, factors into our story. Yeah, I would start with the idea um, that we are hardwired to experience fear, uh, that it is part of our evolutionary inheritance. We are hardwired uh, to experience fear if our organic integrity is at risk for being damaged or wounded or hurt in some way. So it is hardwired into us. The question becomes the, how we make decisions uh, about that. And so one word that I think whenever we talk about fear, we have to introduce into the conversation is notions about danger, right? So if you want to develop yourself, I think one of the questions you have to grapple with at some point is what do I believe danger is? What is dangerous to me? And how did I learn that that was dangerous? And the point being is a lot of what we think of as dangerous is a habit, a way of thinking that we acquired when we were much younger and we didn't have the emotional or intellectual resources to think otherwise. So, you know, you had this kind of almost like imprinting, conditioned reflex type experience when you're younger to think of something as dangerous. But the adult version um, could recognize that that's old, that's obsolete. It doesn't need to work that way in my life as it's currently. And so we make a choice. We say, okay, I picked up this habit and I realized that at this point in my life, this story, this habit no longer works for me. Now I have to choose a new path and figure out how to make it so. To me, that's what development is. Can I give you an analogy, an example that I love to use in this regard? Oh, I love that. Yes. Okay. Um, So there is a famous uh, uh, computer service company called Ypro, and I read this story in an interview with its um, founder, uh, Azim Premji. Um, And he was saying that when he was a young boy growing up uh, in India, he was always fascinated uh, by elephants. 
And one of the things that fascinated him was that the elephant trainers would take these massive elephants, they would tie a little string around the elephant's foreleg, uh, connect the string to a little peg and put it in the ground, and the elephant would stay put. And he thought this was so fascinating. Um, so one day he approached one of the elephant trainers and asked him, how is it that that works the way it is, that you can take this massive elephant and he will stay put? And the trainer went on to explain to him, well, the trick is to get them when they're young. When they're young and you hobble them, you put a string around their leg and then put a stake in the ground, the elephant at that point does not actually have the strength to pull the stake out of the ground. And after a while, they give up and they stop trying. Later, when they're adults and they do have the strength to pull the peg or stake out of the ground, they don't try. It's a habit that they learned when they were younger. And I think that it happens to a lot of us as well, um, that somehow uh, we had our leg tied to a peg that we couldn't pull out when we were younger. Now that we're adults, we could, we could go back if we chose to and retest that original conclusion and come up with a better story. But we don't because we, we, don't. we still feel hobbled, to use exactly. your metaphor. Yes, right? And that's what awareness is, to notice that that's the story I inadvertently chose. I, what, it's not a blame thing. It's, don't, it's not, you know, beat yourself up about it. But I picked up this habit, and I didn't even know it. Now that I know it, what do I want to do about it? That's the choice. Awareness is learning that you acquired the habit, and development or choice is figuring out whether or not you want to continue it or do something else. You know, I wonder if you have um, any examples of um, from your own life or, or, or from perhaps from your, your client base of somebody suddenly discovering that, um, that they're, they're hobbled in this way, that they actually have the ability to draw a different conclusion and operate differently than, than, than their previous belief. And I, I know you probably have personal examples as well as client ones, but what comes to mind? The first one is uh, people who are afraid to, let's say, engage in what I'm going to call battles because they already believe that they're going to lose even before they engaged. So they won't approach people and engage in conversation. Uh, they won't speak up in public settings. Uh, they won't advocate for themselves when advocates, advocating for their own needs and interests is really suited, well-suited uh, to the conditions in which they find themselves. So they picked, they picked a habit up when they were young, when adult authority figures kind of crushed them a little bit. Um, and they figured out some of the solution for how to be a functional adult, but they didn't figure out the complete solution. So periodically, that little helpless child shows up in the, for the adult, and therefore they don't, they're not effective in certain circumstances. They don't realize that they're thinking in a more childlike way and not as a mature, powerful, enabled adult. It's an old habit that they have not yet overcome. And partially it's because they can't see that the habit's a habit. Um, mm. I, mean, I mean, I have lots of examples, you know, as a coach throughout my, you know, coaching career where a client was actually getting in their own way. They, the action was absolutely available to them, but they didn't believe it was, and so they didn't do it. 
Wow, that is a very, um, very important idea. And I, I'm really glad that you told us, the, as you called it, the YPRO story about, um, you know, the, the understanding what, how an elephant is hobbled. And the, here's this huge elephant with a tiny string who believes that it cannot move, even though at this stage of its life it certainly has the strength and power to walk away with, uh, with the string dangling. You know, and I think that, that image really is a good one for helping us think about how we might be hobbled, how we might be um, held back by a belief that we came to much earlier in, in life at a different stage that um, was true then, perhaps, or seemed true then, but, but no longer is. How do you help people um, move into the, into, the, into the white space, I want to call it? How do, how do you help people sense and act that there is an option besides the old story. Yeah. Well, I would say that in the, in the concrete world of experience, it ends up, once you be looking like uh, concrete and tactical, but think, imagine what's going on in a coaching conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. right? So a person is telling you stories, and your job is to detect in this story, does this person believe he or she is trapped, hostage, or a victim? And then look for an example, an actual opportunity uh, where they could behave differently than is their default. And then coach and client together design an experiment to test that old story. I think that's a that's a great recommendation. And um, you know, maybe what you're saying is that there's a if you're sort of trying to figure out um, how you might be hobbled or sort of how you might be limited. Um, without without yet being conscious of exactly what's holding you back, maybe a, a, a clue is where do I feel a victim? Where do I feel a hostage or trapped? Right. That yeah. that's that's t- understanding that that that's how you feel and being able then to talk about that um, or even to perhaps you know write down um, your experience about that and then step back and look at that you know, with somebody else, a coach or a friend, you know, to really help you begin to see where's that story coming from? Is it real? Exactly. Right. It's a habit. Is it a habit? A habitual stance. And I think another clue I find as a coach is often people will say, oh, this always happens to me. And it's like, hmm, you know, it probably always will (laughs) until we find another way to approach this. You know, I know it's time for another break. Um, I want to mention again that my guest, Dr. Neil Struhl, is an applied psychologist and a faculty member at Georgetown University in the Institute for Transformational Leadership. Um, You are listening today to the first show in our series called Inside Transformational Leadership. I'm your host, Kate Ebner, and we will be right back. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Inside Transformational Leadership. Produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. Welcome back once again. I'm so glad you've joined us today for this um, inaugural show in our series. Uh, we are going to be exploring many themes and topics um, that we, we believe are central to understanding transformation and also to understanding leadership, and particularly in that 21st century context over the course of our series. Um, today, we're really talking about um, becoming conscious of the story you are living in. And my guest, Dr. Neil Struhl, and I have been talking about um, how to do that. So as we go into our last segment, Neil, I'd like to I'd like to continue the conversation we had before the break where we were talking about um, how one begins to create that shift. And I wonder if you could maybe give us some examples of how you've worked with people to do that or, or how you've seen people um, you know, make this shift from retreat toward victory. Right. Well, sometimes the, the issue becomes learning to see which story you're in. So as an example... Uh, there was a senior director um, at a company I was coaching. Um, he was operating with a lot of what we'll call self-limiting beliefs about how powerful he was, what kind of impact he was, what kind of advancement opportunities would ever be made available to him. Um, as he told me stories um, about what were occurring um, in his work environment, um, one of the things that we were able to raise into consciousness is how in public situations he developed a habit and made choices to be silent when he could and for his own best interest should be speaking up and showing that he had an informed opinion about whatever the issue was on the table. So what occurred during the coaching is we actually went through his schedule, we actually identified um, meetings that he'd be attending, what issues would be on the table, who would be in attendance, where he did have a, re- a very informed and grounded opinion and a point of view. And we actually started outlining where would be the opportunities for him to speak up and what he would say and so forth. Now, historically, um, he would be thinking at these meetings about something, but he would be reluctant because he didn't. his fear was, I don't want to appear stupid. So he wouldn't speak to what he was thinking, and then five minutes later, somebody else would say what he had been thinking, and they would get kudos for that. 
uh, it was it was it was quite amusing in its own kind of way. But of course, um, you know, he felt very bad about that. But by moving into what we'll call thinking ahead and planning ahead, he could actually anticipate and, and prepare for where those opportunities might arise. And invariably what happened is not only did nobody judge him as stupid, so his danger or fear was never realized, but he got all sorts of positive feedback, and then it showed up in subsequent performance reviews um, you know, that, that he was speaking up. So, so that's one example. Um, in, in a similar vein... Uh, I was working with a very senior person at a, at a global enterprise um, who really, what, what he learned mattered to him. He didn't even know that um, he wanted to become an officer of this enterprise. He was a, 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 an executive, but not an officer. And he, and he didn't even know that it, it mattered to him to the extent that it did. Um, and then we started talking about, well, what does it take to become an officer? Um, and what he was able to um, articulate was that optically there's a particular way the office, you had to be viewed by key decision makers. And that we learned that his behavior was actually almost diametrically opposed to being viewed that way. So we had to plan, look for opportunities where he could be in front of these decision makers and show him that, in fact, he possessed these kinds of abilities. Again, being very intentional and very deliberate about how he was going to uh, present the pub, his public persona. Lo and behold, we did that. We worked on it very consistently. Um, and then when there was a slight change in regime, in fact, he was nominated and became an officer of the enterprise. Um, now, I'd like to believe um, that's not the full explanation, but it certainly was integral to him being able to achieve his goal. Thank you for those examples. I think you just did a nice job of, of showing how consciousness first, right, becoming aware, and then seeing and even strategizing new choices, and then practicing those choices, and seeing what happens, you know, creating a new experience, you know, new data points, so to speak, about what, um, about what the risks are, I suppose, or what the risks are not, when you actually move into the space you haven't been been in before, Um, and, and then hopefully, um, great effect. I think one of the things that stands out to me most in both examples is, um, is is the core point that you're making, which is once I see the story I'm in, I can make different choices and get different yeah. results. Yeah. What I would um, add to that is the idea that a habit, what makes a habit a habit is to what degree it is as automatic as it is. It's a by virtue of the fact that it's habit, you don't have to think about it. It just happens, right? But if you're able to somehow slow your process down and actually kind of deconstruct your own habits, all of a sudden you have this aha moment, this shift in awareness where you see your habit as a habit and realize, in fact, if I wanted to, I could have a choice, but I have to learn how to slow myself down and insert the choice into where the habit would occur otherwise. Thank you. That's that's great. I, I think I think we really, um, you know, I, I think probably I will come away from this show examining my habits. Yes, <laughs> and they're you. habits of the mind and habits of the heart. You, you know, there's there's pre-programmed ways we think, and we don't recognize that we're kind of primed to think that way. 
and we're also pre-primed to feel particular ways. Um, and if you realize that some of your thoughts and some of your feelings are actually habits and not real choices, then you can make a decision whether or not you want to continue to operate that way. Hmm. So, Neil, you're really challenging us to uh, become authors of our own lives, to take responsibility for the experience we're having. Yes, that, that's, that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, I, I would say that in my life, once um, I was able to see to what degree I was operating on an autopilot, um, then I was able to reclaim some of the choices and move my life in a direction so I believe that I was now having the future I chose as opposed to having things happen to me. And uh, I'd like to believe that that's also the service I provide um, my executive clients who aspire to learn to be better leaders, um, that that's what leaders do for their stakeholders and followers um, is, help, is that we're leading into a future that we all want. So how do we collectively come together to work together and create that future? Well, I think that, you know, you've given us so much to think about and, and to work with in this hour already. Um, I'd love to... I'd love to connect back to one of the ideas that, that we really have been exploring, which is this idea of um, leadership as a quest for self-development. And I think that often people you know, work hard and, and earn opportunities and are given titles and positions, and, and you know, we have that, um, that sort of old and somewhat outdated concept of a ladder that we're climbing. You know? So we tend to think of leadership as something that we are... Um, we're working toward and we finally attain it and it's a position that we hold. And I know at, at ITL, we talk a lot with our students about thinking of leadership as something we practice, something we're not, not about a position, but about practicing every day the, the, the moves, you know, the, the self-awareness, the actions and choices of leadership, no matter what job you have, no matter what position. And I'd love to hear what you think about um, about leadership as a quest, not even just about creating outcomes in organizational life, but actually for self-development. Yeah. I believe that the best leaders um, uh, accept the notion that real effective leading is inseparable from ongoing and continual learning uh, because things never remain the same. There is no status quo, and that as a leader... Uh, you continually have to adapt and shift based on emerging conditions. Um, you may be familiar with uh, Joseph Campbell, um, who uh, wrote about this thing he called the heroic cycle or the mythological cycle. And, and one of his notions is that uh, in this, uh, what the hero does is their hero leaves the natural world for the magical world. That's the quest. Is, is the, now that, that's just a metaphor. And we're not talking really about magical, but we're talking about that the hero um, is leaving his or her comfort zone, his or her conventional way of operating and understanding. And the quest is a quest of learning. And that's what I think uh, transformational development is about. You're going off into, you're, you're, you're challenging your own conventions, you're challenging your own habits, you're opening yourself up to uh, new thinking, to experimentation. Um, and that's your, that's your quest, that's your journey into this magical world of learning and new experience and new thinking. And as you test yourself under these conditions, uh, you will kind of return uh, to the 
the net, your version of the natural world, but you won't be the same person you were before you embarked on this particular quest. And I think each of us, particularly, and, and I want to separate learning from education, right? Education just means that somebody else has organized the curriculum for you. Um, but learning is learning. It's that you're going out and you're uncovering or discovering new information, new skill, new knowledge. And once you really have acquired that new knowledge or skill, by definition, you are not the same person you were before that. You know, I wonder, Neil, as you, as you offer these thoughts, um, you know, what, what do you wish for your listeners today, you know, in terms of how they engage this topic coming out of, out of this hour? I would hope that um, I don't need necessarily want people to, like, agree with me that stories are a theory of everything. But I would love it if people were willing to, let's say, slow themselves down, um, embrace a little bit additional reflection in their lives, and ask themselves, um, so what is it that I'm noticing? How do I explain what I'm noticing to myself? And if there are any kind of patterns or themes there, and if you see the pattern or a theme, you might discover uh, something about which stories up until now you've been consistently drawn to. And then you get to say to yourself, and how's that story working for me? Mm-hmm. If, if the story works for you, all the power to you. But every now and then, each of us is going to find out the story is sub-optimizing the life I could be living. That would be my pitch. I think that's an outstanding um, invitation for people who are listening today. And you've given us quite a lot um, to think about and I think have uh, um, you know, immersed us in, um, in this invitation to see leadership as a quest and also to understand that. Um, and I, one of the things I've enjoyed about our conversation is that although, you, in a way, you, know, you started out with the idea of accountability, there's a great deal of compassion in understanding that every single one of us at times is a hero in victory, at times a hero in retreat, and that through self-awareness and self-responsibility and, and seeing and taking new choices, we can actually shift, which is the, the, the first move of transformation, perhaps, is this awareness. So I want to thank you, Neil, for joining me today as, as our guest on our first show. Thank you very much for being with us and contributing your knowledge. Well, thank you for having me. I, I enjoyed the whole hour. As did I. Um, And for those of you listening, we have more to come every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. We welcome you, your comments, your suggestions, and your feedback. This is Kate Ebner from Inside Transformational Leadership, and we look forward to meeting with you again next week. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on Inside Transformational Leadership. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Kate Ebner, next Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our programs, please visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. We'll talk again next week.